life on the road. It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and bees, fights, candle flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts doing blow more, missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon. Okay. And then I found out something about you. Which I'm very excited about. Oh boy! And I, yeah, I, if it's true, I don't know if it's true or not. Okay. Um, but you have to back me up on that. And okay. We'll, we'll get to that All eventually. Right. Surprise me. I will. Thanks for tuning into the Road Stories podcast, everybody. I am your host, Murray Valeriano, back again, back in the studio again. Still have not soundproofed it. Uh, between Fernie pads and 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 suitcases and and but the sound quality is good. Sound quality is good. I want to thank Eben Schletter. I haven't thanked him yet. Uh, does the music did the music for Mr. Show and SpongeBob and all that? Who gave me the uh, what? Do you, what would you call it? A, a layman's uh, attempt at soundproofing. A I know Eben Schletter. Oh, you know Eben? Yeah, I worked with him on which show? Mind Sia. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I yeah. never talk about it though. But yeah, well, as you should. I talk about Eben, but I don't talk about the show. Eben's a great guy. He's an old friend of mine, and yeah. his wife Chris Magaha is an old friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eben actually, I did a show. Um, I'll leave names out of it, but, um, the executive in charge at the network, uh, started giving him really lame notes on his music and he pretty much just gave her the finger and walked out. He's like, I don't need this crap. (laughs) And we all should have actually on that show. Now that I think about it. Oh, come on. What show was it? I don't want it. I can't because I can't, I can't. And I'll tell you off. (laughs) Off mic, why I, can't I have now. to say mine to Mencia, though, but you don't have to say what you're... No, because I'm still kind of connected to oh, it okay. in a weird okay. way, but I won't, and I'll tell you why. Well, then just tell me the executive's name. Uh, her name's... Uh, okay. I was just going to give you the first name, but then it's like... It's like Masferatu, like the only name anybody right. would have. <laughs> um, but speaking of that, listen, if uh, you don't get enough of my voice on the podcast, I am uh, guest hosting on Bill Ingvall's uh, Sirius XM show uh, the last few weeks, and I think next week. So Channel 97 live on Monday afternoons and then replayed on Blue Collar uh, Comedy because I was born in Memphis. They don't know that I moved to New Jersey when I was two. Um, so I'm there on that. And uh, LA Podcast Festival, we'll talk a little bit more after that. Let's get to why we're here today. Um, sitting across stage, uh, across uh, table, uh, next to my favorite Fernie pad, uh, a writer from Ida and Sia. I don't know if you heard that or not. And uh, <laughs> um, let me see what else. You also worked with my friend Bob Oshak and Chris McGuire, oh, yeah. which is kind of how your name came to my yeah into my uh, Oshak uh, Oshak. Yeah. Uh, what other things have you uh, written on Jeff Schimmel? Oh boy. Okay. Let's see. Started out working with Ronnie Dangerfield okay. back in uh, the late eighties. Sure. L- lived with him for a while. And Dennis Blair on not too long ago. Oh he's really? A, yeah. Opener. yeah. Yeah. You know, I met Dennis for the first time. He opened for Rodney for years, mm-hmm. I think, and then they actually wrote some stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I met Dennis at the Improv on Melrose after I had been living with Rodney for close to a year. Okay. And uh, getting fairly close with him. And so I walked into the club. Dennis and Rodney said a quick hello to each other. I guess they had some kind of falling sure, out. Sure, yes. And so then Dennis came over to me and said, hey, are you the guy that's working with Rodney now? And I said, yes. And he said, how long have you been with him? And I said, just about a year. He said, well, enjoy it because it's almost over. <laughs> and he patted me on the shoulder and he walked away. 
And he was right though, yeah. because within a couple of weeks it was over. Really? And because you can only spend so much time with Rodney or get so close to him, he gets very uncomfortable and mm -hmm. then he just unceremoniously dumps you. Sure. And uh, so the next time I saw Dennis after that, I was like, dude, you were right on that with yeah. the prediction. Huh. Now, were you just writing for him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was writing uh, in his bedroom mm -hmm. basically every day, uh, two movies, two feature scripts. Okay, great. Yeah. And, uh, wow, I just read you wrote a feature script. I just did my research earlier and I, forget, and I obviously did a really good job because I forgot which one it was, but I love that movie and I forget which one it was. Anyway, the thing I wanted to tell you about yes. uh, that, I, that I, my mind, my, my jaw dropped was, and you can tell me if this is true or not, but your uh, life in New York was the inspiration for the movie Rounders. That's what they say. Is that at all true? Okay. I'll tell you what happened. Okay. Okay. Um, what happened was back, uh, when I was in law school, mm -hmm. I did used to play a lot of poker, but that was before the poker sure. craze. People were just playing poker, like college kids were mm -hmm. sitting around playing poker. So, um, and I think at that time, like the world series of poker had 10 people in it mm -hmm. a year. Yeah. It was just these guys like Amarillo slim or mm -hmm. whatever. And they would pay their 10 grand and play and the winner would get like a hundred thousand dollars. That was it. And, um, so I was doing that when I was in law school because I hated law school so much. <laughs> and um, I started working for a judge, and the judge had a poker game with mm -hmm. his friends that were district attorneys or deputy district attorneys. So or, far, we're still defenders. in the first act. <laughs> right. And um, so then I got a little bit involved with that. Mm -hmm. And then I had a professor in law school who, uh, his name was Richard Solomon, one of my favorite professors, who actually called me into his office one day and said, you know, if you were as interested in the law as you are in poker, you know, yeah. you would be the top guy in the class. So you need to make a decision about what you want to do, blah, 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 whatever. So it was all that. My girlfriend, who is now my wife, said, if you don't stop playing cards, then I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. That sounds familiar. Sure, right? sure, sure. So basically what happened in 1995, I think it was, um, I was doing a couple of things in the feature world. And I went out with a pitch about that okay it was basically that story and poker was just starting to get a lot of interest and but what happened was i got shut down right away because at that time allegedly castle rock rob reiner mm -hmm. was going to be doing a remake of the cincinnati kid with al pacino in the edward g robinson role okay so they said if anybody's going to make a poker movie it's going to be that yeah yeah so and there's not going to be two poker movies there's going to be one because like i said it wasn't that big of a deal sure. yet yeah so everybody just basically told me we love this story. It's very interesting. Underground playing poker in Beverly Hills with actors and writers and judges and all this other stuff. And your girlfriend leaving because of the game and all the other stuff. But uh, yeah, we're not doing it. Right. So I kind of just gave up on it. And then lo and behold, this exact duplicate came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the law school, you know, I was going to New York Law School yeah, yeah. in Manhattan. And if you look at the school in the movie, it's that school. Yeah, yeah. So very disturbing. Sure. So was it a? Would you consider it a ripoff? Would you consider it somebody? If it's not a ripoff, then uh, all I can say is someone read my mind, <laughs> okay, and didn't hear the pitch. <laughs> well, it didn't do that well. What? It didn't do that well. 
that's like one of the most quoted movies by young whippersnappers. You know, they love that movie. Rounders? I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. I, as a poker player, and I'm a huge poker player, uh, I hated it also. I hated it. By the way, okay, so you're a huge poker player. Yeah. When you watch the movie, and it came down to the big showdown between uh, the Russian guy sure. and the Matt Damon uh, character. Teddy, KGB. Teddy, Teddy yeah, yeah. KGB, and uh, Mike, right? Mike, I think so, Mike, whatever. yeah, yeah. Okay. The hand that they played at the end where Mike basically just wiped out the, yeah. the Russian guy, who would not have seen that hand coming? <laughs> well, if you're a poker player yeah. and you're sitting there, would you not have known exactly what cards oh, he yeah. had? And on top of that, and yes, I agree with that, on top of that, the worst... Russian accent? Well, no, that was the, that was that brought some <laughs> levity to it. Uh, the worst, like, uh, playing... Uh, like if if anybody played Matt Damon's hand the way he played it, I would have saw that coming down the four oh five. Well, right. I don't know. I guess I'll just call to see. Uh, yeah, you're gonna right. call twenty thousand dollars just to see what. You, yeah, no, it was yeah. such. But the big hand at the end, yeah, yeah, was actually the worst hand in the entire movie. Everything else was a little bit like you know more suspenseful. Than uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there watching that last hand, and I'm going, okay. Really? You, you're this big <laughs> poker player and you have no idea what he's holding. Right. He's betting his life basically on this hand and you can't figure out what he has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just sitting there like, come on, when are the credits going to roll? I got to get out of yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it po- it. it's enraging to, for a poker player to watch that movie. We'll be back with more poker talk after this. Uh, <laughs> the reason I have uh, uh, Jeff on, and by the way, you invited me to a, a charity poker game last two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. for my daughter's uh, school program. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. That was fun. I had a good time. Are you going to do another one? Uh, no. Okay. Not for that, but another charity is asking me to help them put it together. You know, it's a lot of work to get a tournament put together. Yeah, I would imagine. And um, But we, we raised quite a bit of money that day. It was good. a lot of fun. I made it to the final table. Oh, good for you. And then when I realized I couldn't legitimately win anything because I put the thing on, <laughs> it, it really kind of killed it for me. Right, right. Because there was really no point. Yeah. But um, some good people won. Mm-hmm. Fantastic prizes. Yeah, there were some really good prizes. Yeah. I got, I got, bumped. I didn't get bumped out early, but I got bumped out halfway through yeah. by the uh, assistant director for Conan's show. Oh, really? I forget her name. She's a big poker player. Anyway, oh, okay. Uh, anyway, I'm having. Thanks for introducing her to me or me to her. I could have got a job or well, something. Well, you could. If anybody, I'll tell. I'll tell you what Jonathan Groff told me when he was head writer at uh, uh, Conan. I like what you, I like your stuff, but nobody ever leaves. Right, and they've had the same, you know. Once in a while, somebody will leave, but uh, uh, that's it. Anyway, so okay. uh, the reason I have Jeff uh, on is uh, he is the brother of a comedian, which you've heard me talk about several times on the show. I was a huge fan and a friend, and uh, I was able to work with him for the last two years. Uh, he was on this planet. He's the brother of Robert Schimmel, um, and I know a lot of uh, my listeners are big fans, also. Um, Let's uh, let's just get started. Uh, you said uh, you used to travel a lot with uh, used to travel a lot with Bob. Yeah, he started doing stand up in 1978, mm-hmm. and I was living in Phoenix at the time, and he was out here in L.A., so it was close. And I would come over to visit all the time. We were very very um, tight, yeah. as brothers, uh, which means that we were uh, super in love, mm-hmm. and we would fight terribly, you know. <laughs> and and he used to say that you can't hate someone more 
than the people you really love. Yeah. So, you know, you love your family members, but you can, you can't hate anyone more than them. Sure. So we would get along great, finish each other's sentences, know what we were thinking, laugh Mm -hmm. at all the same stuff. And, uh, but when we would fight, it was ugly. Yeah. And I mean, there was one stretch where he, he actually made me mad because, um, he wouldn't say hi to my daughter when she was tugging on his pant leg. She Mm -hmm. was a little baby and I threw him out of my apartment and I didn't talk to him for two years. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's how bad it got. But on the other side, the flip side of the coin was we were crazy close. Sure. Now, not to make it awkward, but is is that the daughter that's sitting to our left right there? Is that the one over there eating my bagels? Okay. Yep. All right. I'll be sure if she tugs on my pant leg to say hello. (laughs) Okay. Well, if she tugs on your pant leg, you're going to have a bigger problem than getting getting kicked out. (laughs) Uh, That's great. I I like to hear brothers who can work together and, and... and live together because my brother and I uh, tried construction one year and ended up beating the crap out of each other on somebody's yeah. front lawn daily till we got fired. Well, then you understand. See, there's yeah, some yeah. people that, that, you know, since he passed away and I talk about him a lot mm-hmm. and I'm doing a, a tribute ebook project. Sure. About and we'll, get him. Back, we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. He, um, you know, people will say to me, well, wait a minute, you're not telling the whole story, you know, cause you guys had some monumental battles. Sure. And my answer to that is, well, we were siblings. Yeah. I mean, do you not know that that happens? Because it do, it's not all lovey-dovey all the right. time. How, how many kids do you have? One. One? So you don't know. No. But all we right. did that on purpose, so she would never find <laughs> out what That's, it can really be like. Dude, I got one, and I'm one and done myself. Uh, so, by the way, I love that your daughter is third year of college. Yeah. We're roughly the same age. I have a 20-month-old. That's awesome. That's I'm going to be 65 when my kid goes off to college. <laughs> Stay young. Let yeah. your baby keep you young. I'm trying to. But then again, I told you about hurting my knee last week and I can, I'm still limping. <laughs> yeah. I would feel bad for you if it weren't for the fact that I'm wearing a back brace that's making it hard for me to breathe. But uh, hey, you know what? Kids, that's all there is. Really. I know, man. I'm, I'm digging it. I love it. I got skateboards for them and everything. It's It's great. Cool. They're my skateboard. Everybody's like, oh, your kid's skateboarding already? They're kind of my skateboards, but, you know, I told them I bought them for the kids, but it's me out there every day on them. <laughs> That'll keep you young, too. Yeah, and, and, and it'll keep my knee busted also. <laughs> so when did you and uh, when did you and Bob start, like, hitting the, you said you guys travel. How when did you guys start yeah. traveling together? Um, probably in the early 80s. You know, when yeah. he first started out, he was performing out here in L.A. at Osco's Disco, mm-hmm. which you probably either never heard of right never been to definitely osco's was pretty much right where lomans is next to the beverly center the beverly center okay. wasn't there either okay there was an amusement park there oh really kitty amusement park yeah oh, wow and osco's was the place where they filmed thank god it's friday remember that disco movie with mm. uh no no oh my i am maybe i'm not as old as you. can we stop this <laughs> watch the movie and oh really that good no oh it, that bad but it was a disco okay era thing so Osco's was this big disco and in Mm -hmm. the basement they had a comedy room and it really sucked because while people were up on stage performing for the small group, you would just hear boom, 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 boom (laughs) from the bass. Every disco song had the same beat. Sure. So it was just this nonstop pounding. But so he was working there. Paul Rodriguez was Mm -hmm. working there at the same time with him. Um, a lot of people that started out the same time that he did went on to be giant, like mm-hmm. Paul Reiser and, sure. um, Kevin Nealon and, 
uh, Keenan Waynes, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying to think of all these guys. They were all working in L.A., though. Yeah. And um, But when he started going out on the road, I went with him. Whenever I could get to L.A., I would go. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking at my list here. The, the, I love when people bring notes, by the way. Yeah. And I'm well, not, I wanted I'm to not make being sure. sarcastic or foresee. I love it. I think it's great. I just wanted to make sure I didn't leave you, you know, hanging here with nothing to talk about. Sure. Right? Um, he performed in L.A. He did stand up for the first time in L.A. Uh, when my sister basically sabotaged his evening, she put his name in the bucket at the improv for <laughs> right. an open mic night. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't know that she did that. And Bud Friedman reached in the bucket, called his name. Awesome. And he had two minutes. So he went up there and just told stories about our family. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, how he started doing stand up. Sure. But he was living in Phoenix at the time and he went back to Phoenix. And one night we were going out to a, to a movie. It was my brother, his newlywed wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vicky? Vicky. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was the original wife. The original wife. Right. Part one. Married and divorced three times. Yes. To the same woman. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I was going to say that's true love or <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah, it's love. the definition of mental illness. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting result, different results. Yeah, but they, yeah, they, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so we were back in Phoenix, my brother, his original wife, me, I think my sister, maybe a girl that I was dating at the time, not sure. And we were going to a movie. So we were in this restaurant. Uh, Mexican restaurant in Phoenix. And when we were leaving the restaurant to go to the theater, we saw a a marquee at a country Western bar next door. Mm -hmm. And it was a $100 talent contest that night. So my brother said, let's go next door and find out what it is. And I said, why? You want to sit in the country Western bar and watch acts go up there? And he said, no, I want to perform. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't doing comedy. He, yeah. he didn't have an act. Sure. So we went into this place. It was like, um, can I say shit kickers? Please do. Okay. Shit kickers. Has nothing to do with the story. But anyway, so. <laughs> I asked you what I could say in front of your daughter. So you can say whatever you want oh, okay, in front of whatever. me. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. She's in college. She doesn't care. Um, but so we go into this place and it was exactly what you would expect in Mm -hmm. phoenix in the late 70s um and uh all country western guys looked like charlie daniels with the cowboy hats and the big belt buckles and you know sawdust on the floor or whatever so my brother goes in and he says to the uh manager so what's the talent show about how does that work and he said well we have all these bands going up there and you know the winner gets a hundred dollars and well how does the winner determine do you pick it no 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 the audience picks it so my brother said, well, I want to compete then mm-hmm. for the $100. Well, what do you do? I'm a comedian. And that was my brother's phrase. It's on his tombstone, yeah. actually. I'm a comedian. Yeah, yeah. And I am the one that selected that because that's how he would start every conversation. He would walk into Best Buy and go, uh, I'm a comedian and I need to get some headphones. Sure, sure. And then I would say, Bob, those were probably in the same area where the regular headphones are, the comedian headphones are probably in the same, you know, he would say to a waitress, hi, I'm a comedian. I need to get my food before these other people. Right, right. I have a show tonight in sure. Irvine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, so he signed up and the guy was telling him, I really, are you sure you want to do this? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we sat in this country Western bar. We had a beer, I think. Finally, uh, after a couple of bands, they called him up. Mm-hmm. He went up, did like 
four or five minutes of nothing, basically. Right. And I think it was he was probably the first Jew any of these people ever saw <laughs> in Phoenix in a country bar. And, but they were laughing. Yeah. Okay. So he got off stage, and then he, he said, when is the contest over? And the guy said, probably right around closing time, one in the morning. So we left, and we went to the theater to see the movie. After the movie, we came back, and we sat there, and he won. Get it? Really? He won. That's awesome. He never told me that story. That's yeah. great. And so he got $100, and that was just more fuel mm-hmm. that, you know, I need to sell my house and move my wife and my, my newborn baby to, to L.A. and become a comic. Sure. Which he did right away and mm-hmm. got a job. Did he ever tell you about his job selling stereo equipment? Uh, yeah, he did touch on that. But do you know this? Can, do you, can you tell the story about when he moved to work at the improv? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's factual, right? Yes. So after the thing with Bud Friedman, where, um, he did the two minutes on open mic night, Mm -hmm. he got off stage and Bud Friedman said, Hey, come back anytime. Well, my brother took that to mean you're hired. Right. (laughs) So he went back to Phoenix and he told his wife, I'm going to be a comedian. I was given the green light by the owner of the comedy, uh, club that we were in. And so they sold their house and they moved over to L.A. And when they got off the uh, freeway on the Melrose exit, he drove down Melrose to show his wife the club that he would be working in. And it was smoldering (laughs) because it had burned down. (laughs) And Bud Friedman was standing out there with the firemen Mm -hmm. and I guess like an insurance investigator or whatever, standing out on the sidewalk. And my brother said, oh, oh no. I mean, everything he owned was in a U-Haul attached to the back of his Toyota. And um, his wife was saying, this is the club. This is where you're going to be working. And my brother went up to Bud and said, well, what am I going to do now? I mean, I I moved here to work at this club. And Bud said, who are you? (laughs) Which really made his wife, you know, concerned. I would imagine. Well, you can write, like, if you wrote that in a movie, you would be like, this is hacky. (laughs) No, yeah, that never happened. It happened. That's amazing. That's amazing. You were going to talk about uh, stereos. He sold stereo equipment for a while. He sold stereos. And one of the, yeah, he he worked for this company called Audio Command Systems. Mm -hmm. And again, in the late 70s, anything that you could do that was a little different was all of a sudden this big deal. So Audio Command Systems, Uh, revolutionized the world of music, Mm -hmm. home entertainment, by putting a control in each room of the house. So what? I mean, model (laughs) homes had that, the intercom system. So it was a thing where you would install this little panel in each room, and you could could be in your office and change the music and the volume in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. as if anyone would want to do that. What difference does it make? (laughs) So he sold one and installed it at Steve Martin's house. Mm And he, uh, I didn't go with him on that installation. I went with uh, with him to some others. It was very expensive uh, to do. Yeah, yeah. And so he was at Steve Martin's house. He was on his hands and knees pulling cable through the walls. And Steve Martin came in to ask him how it was going. And he said, um, hey, uh, you know, I do comedy too. And Steve Martin said, great. Make sure you don't get any of the like um, particle board, yeah. <laughs> you know, on my rug. He couldn't give a shit oh, one sure. way or the other. But that turns out to be more meaningful much, much later in my brother's career because Steve Martin wrote liner notes on one of my brother's Warner Brothers comedy CDs. Oh, really? So all those years went by, you know, probably 25 years. Yeah, and yeah. then there he was recognizing my brother as a, oh, that's great. a comic that he liked. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I remember when... Uh, he was telling me we were in the green room and he was telling me about his first CD deal because I was uh, starting to ramp up to record my CD. And he's like, uh, I went down for a meeting. I called my... Now, didn't they have the same manager as Steve Martin? 
at one point? No, that Bill McEwen was, okay. was Steve Martin's manager, and he was the guy that basically recorded my brother's act That's without it. the deal That's at it. Warner Brothers That's right. and just played them the tape. That's right. And he said, if they offer you $500 advance, take it. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong, but I think they gave him 250000 they gave him a lot of money. And he, and he said, and I still haven't made it back. <laughs> this was like a year two, you know, four years ago. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The the comedy CD thing kind of died out. Yeah. And um, a lot of people started doing either minor label things mm-hmm. or they were doing their own and yeah. selling them on the, on the road. But he had a big deal with Warner Brothers. Yeah, it yeah. was very uh, significant. And I remember he, um, when he went out on the road to promote the CD. I remember it vividly because we were under contract to complete a piece of work together. Mm-hmm. And he showed up to the office and said, I got to go on the road and promote my CD. So let me know when you're done. And I said, Whoa, hang on a second. <laughs> How come you get half the money? You don't do half the work and you're going to promote something that you get more money for. Right. And I'm here doing everything. And he was like, well, dude, what do you want me to do? I got to promote the CD. That was, I think, the beginning of one of the fights. <laughs> that's a good, that's that, a good that jumping off point for a fight. <laughs> yeah. But um, Now, were you executive producer on, oh, what does he have, three CDs? He had two with Warner Brothers. He had one that I put together okay. for him, which is so crazy because we only made 1,500 copies of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was selling them in clubs and on, I think online, maybe. Uh, it's called Resurrection. Mm-hmm. and But I did that. Basically, it was remote control. I just said, Bob, I don't want you to do anything except do your act at Irvine, and I'm going to record X number of shows, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to take it to a friend of mine who's an editor. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to do the cover art or have it done. Sure. I'm going to come up with the title. I'm going to do the whole thing, and I'll just give it to you when it's done. Mm-hmm. Because if we do it that way, it'll happen. Right. <laughs> if we do it your way, we'll be talking about it five years from now. Right, sure. So we did it, 1,500 copies. They all sold. I have one, mm-hmm. and I, I was looking for one on online because I actually promised a copy to somebody. Someone was selling one a couple of weeks ago on eBay for, I think, $100. Oh, really? Because you can't find them. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought of uh, reprinting it? Re, uh, what would uh, that word be? Not reprinting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah re-releasing. Probably. Sorry, yeah, re-releasing it. Yeah. Um, I could probably do that. It would just depend on how much I wanted to spend on legal fees for his most recent wife oh, okay. coming after me. Oh, is she coming after you? No, she would, though. Because oh, really? That's, yeah, I mean, she's the Melissa? executor of... Maybe. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. All right. But... Um, that's a can of worms. I was just going to... Paste right over that. Hey, that's a good idea for for another book. Can of worms. Can of Just worms. Can of worms. Oh, the geez. Robert Schimmel story. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he. Um, so he started doing the uh, the stereo stuff here and Osco's Disco and all that. And uh, but this was leading to something. I know we got off on a rant. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, Osco Disco. Steve Martin. Uh, working. Oh, did he ever tell you about the? Um, because I did go with him on this on this gig. This mm-hmm. was hilarious. Did he ever tell you about the uh, Shields and Yarnell thing? <laughs> no, but I love a good Shields and Yarnell story. And for your daughter, Shields and Yarnell are... <laughs> they're actually before my time. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not a... I thought we were the same well, age. Well, let me but tell a, her. But apparently I'm a little younger. 
Okay, let me tell my daughter then who Shields and Urinell are. <laughs> they were mimes. They were husband and wife, and uh, they were both mimes. I think they were from San Francisco, and they hooked up, and they did this mime act. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, a, but for a very select audience, because, oh, yeah. you know, you really have to be into it to sit there and hear nothing for <laughs> an hour. They, get, they got a couple specials. Yeah. At least they're not, they maybe even yeah. their own TV show. They I had their own wrong. TV. Okay. I think it was like a summer replacement thing, sure, like sure. Sonny and Cher or yeah. Tony Orlando, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, God, I really am old. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Ben Vereen summer show? Okay. No, nope, you're older than me. Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm in his apartment. He was probably not even quite a middle act yet. Okay. And it was pouring, pouring rain that night. We weren't we were gonna go out and we mm-hmm. decided not to because it was raining so hard. And he got a phone call from some club owner or club manager that knew him, called him up and said, Hey, Robert, uh, you wanna make some money tonight? Shields and Yarnell are performing. <laughs> At Cal Poly out in um, Pomona. Okay. And they need someone to open for them. Their opening act fell out. <laughs> so my brother... Does when do mimes need an opening act? That's <laughs> so weird. Well, they need somebody to talk because they don't. <laughs> right, okay, so good So they point. need something, right? Yeah, yeah, Spice yeah. it up a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, they go, you want to do it? So he said, how much, how much are they paying? Whatever it was, a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So he says to me, you want to go? Of course, because I was visiting him. Why would I not want to go? We get in the car. We drive all the way the hell out. For people that don't live in L.A., they have no idea what it means to get on the freeway at like rush hour and drive from L.A. to Pomona. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It's horrible. So we finally get there, and it's in the main theater on campus. It's packed. We walk in. We go to the green room, and Shields and Yarnell's manager comes in and says, okay, a couple things. Number one. No dirty material. Mm, Okay. So my brother's like, whoa, time out. (laughs) Why did you call me? Or why did you have anybody call me? Because that's all I do. Right. Although, remind me to tell you about this. When he started off doing comedy, he didn't even use any foul language. Oh, good. Because his act was completely clean. That brings up a question I wanted to ask you. So I'll ask you right after this. Okay. So anyway, no dirty material. Mm -hmm. My brother's already checked out mentally at that point. It's over. You know, we drove all the way here for nothing. And then he said, and don't say anything about Shields or Yarnell (laughs) because they're like going through a divorce and nobody knows it yet, but they're like at each other's throats. So don't say anything about them. So my brother says, okay. And he says one more thing about half the audience are hearing impaired. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be somebody on the side of the stage signing to them. So don't be thrown by that. And don't be thrown if a lot of the people in the audience are not laughing because they can't hear right, they sure. may not vocalize their laughter whatever so my brother's like okay so the guy walks out of the room my brother's like how do we get out of here <laughs> you know, what am i going to do and i'm like dude this is hilarious this is the greatest <laughs> right so anyway he meets shields and yarnell and next thing you know ladies and gentlemen welcome to the shields and yarnell show now you know please welcome comedian robert schemmel i'm in the wings watching he walks out there. The whole time he's walking out there, he's looking at me. Right. And I'm laughing already. And he goes up to the microphone and he's like, you know, hey, everybody, how you doing? Right? Nothing. 
silent and, and you just see the person signing yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody's just watching them the signing sure. person not my brother right so they're not even paying attention to him hey how y'all doing tonight okay great he was like it's such an honor to be here with shields and yarnell he said i heard they're having some marital problems <laughs> and he said because apparently he caught her fucking the guys from mum and shots <laughs> and if you don't know who Shields and Yarnell are, you probably you don't know. know. Mum and Shantz. Mum and Shantz were. <laughs> they were the European yeah. troupe that was their version of Shields and Yarnell. Anyway, you could hear nothing but gasps <laughs> in the auditorium, backstage. You And then, I don't remember, I think Shields was the guy. Mm -hmm. And he came running into the wings and started screaming at the at the manager. Oh, Get really? him out. Really? Get him off stage, whatever. And my brother probably only did maybe like another three minutes. Right. And then they were like Gone. Outski. You know. <laughs> they were giving him the light. They did everything but basically tackle him and yeah, drag yeah. him off the stage. Uh, but that get, was awesome. Did he get paid for that? I love he did it, get by paid. the way. Really? Andy got paid? Yeah. That's what makes course. that guy great. Oh, that's amazing. That <laughs> yeah. is awesome. Um, actually, the first time I ever worked with an interpreter was with uh, Robert Down and uh, Brea. That's the first really? time I ever worked with an interpreter. It was, it was pretty cool. It was a cool uh, situation because you know, I couldn't figure out, like, uh, and I think we talked about this on the show a couple times. When deaf people are at a show, they don't laugh, but they, they wave their hands like this. That's their way. They're like, so, like, the whole right. front row was, like, waving at me the whole time. I couldn't figure out what I'm like, hi. <laughs> the whole time. But that was, a, that was a cool experience working with an interpreter. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't like it. Well, but, I, it was um, a different. I didn't also, they said I could say anything I wanted. They didn't give a shit but, what I talked about. So, But I think, I, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that on the way back from that show, we took a detour and went to Garfield. Gardena, mm -hmm. because at that time, that's where all the legal poker clubs were. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think we stopped off there, and I think we probably ended up making it back to his apartment right around 8, 9 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And um, his wife was probably standing there, Vicky, the original wife, waiting for us. You know? <laughs> the kids already had breakfast. and Now, I was going to ask you... Um, when you said when he first started out, because I was going to ask how how did how was he received being so dirty as a, a MC or an opener? But you said he didn't he wasn't working that dirty. No, no, not at all, really? zero. And um, he used to do um, I was going to say hacky, but I really don't want to say that. Sure. But he like for example, one night at Oscos, he came out on stage with his head bandaged and his arm in a sling, mm -hmm. and I think he had a one crutch and he was like wearing a boot on his leg mm -hmm. and he came out and he started by saying um you know ladies and gentlemen um last night i made some unfortunate remarks about frank sinatra mm -hmm. and it was that whole thing he sure. just made this i can't believe i didn't turn my phone off sorry what song is that that's um, Summer Madness, Cool in the Gang, 1974. Jeez, he is old. Your dad is old. Yeah. Um, uh, we pointed out that Jeff's daughter is here in the room with us again. Okay. But but I'll tell you, that's that was the big makeout song in college in oh, 1974. Really? You put that, because it was like 11 minutes long. Yeah. You put that thing on and you were good to go. What's the big makeout song in college now, Jeff's daughter? Oh, you wouldn't know? Okay. You can tell me later. <laughs> but... Um, Anyway, he was completely clean. Mm -hmm. He would also come out. One of his other big things at that time was he would come out and say, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, although I'm a, I'm a comedian, um, I, I'm also into some kind of, it was like some kind of masochistic behavior. Mm -hmm. And he said, so 
I get off on being completely humiliated and degraded. So please don't laugh at anything I say because the worse I do, the better I feel. And then everyone would start laughing and then he would beg them to stop. Right, right. <laughs> so he would do stuff like that. Right. And then at one point he just said, that's not me. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm trying so hard to be a comic like I'm seeing all mm -hmm. these other guys out there. That's not who I am. I'm just going to be myself. And mm -hmm. then he was. Yeah. And he was very authentic to the guy he was growing up. Mm -hmm. um, he was constantly in trouble because of the way he was. He was always in trouble in school. He got kicked out of the military. And he just made trouble everywhere he went. But that was the real guy. And I've always told people he was much funnier off stage than he ever was on stage because mm -hmm. he never stopped. Yeah. On stage, he would stop when his time was up. But off stage, there was no light. Yeah. There was no timer. So he would never, you know, give it up. Um, jumping ahead a few years, and we can always go back to your notes okay. uh, anytime you want. Um, jumping ahead a few years after he got cancer, do you, do you see a big, did you see a big turn in his act? Like, is there like a pre-cancer act and then a post-cancer? Do you see a big turn in that at all? A big change well, in it? Yeah, I did. Well, everyone noticed that he started incorporating his battle with cancer into his act. Sure. Uh, and, and then he started doing a slideshow mm -hmm. and people were saying, you know, come on, we're paying a lot of money to laugh at a club. We don't want to get more depressed sure. than we were all week at work. So yeah, yeah. please don't do that to us. Some people loved it. Some mm -hmm. people didn't love it. Um, but, you know, his son, he had a son who was sick. Uh, starting in like 1984, he got sick. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Oh, lived. really? It was that long ago? I... Yeah, he was three years old when he was diagnosed. He had brain cancer. Oh, okay. And he was only supposed to live another eight months, and he ended up living 11 years. Okay. Um, so... Uh, my brother was already into that groove mm -hmm. when his son was sick. So it's almost like when he ended up getting cancer, it was almost, um, he was prepared mm. in a lot of ways sure. for that. But what people don't know, and it, it will be in the book because it's very important that people know that when he was on the road, uh, when he was sick and after he was sick, he would go to infusion centers at hospitals, whatever city he was in, and he would bring all kinds of comedy CDs, George Carlin, Richard mm -hmm. Pryor, whoever. Uh, I was going to say Mort Saul just to make everyone go, who? <laughs> and he would buy... Mort Saul is... <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, he, would, he would buy CDs and mm -hmm. he would buy CD players and he would bring them to the infusion, infusion centers mm -hmm. and just hand them out oh, that's and tell people, you know, try to stay happy and mm -hmm. upbeat while you're getting your treatment. But he didn't tell people he was doing that. And it wasn't until after he died that I started receiving emails from hospitals and other places, doctors saying, you know, your brother did this without any fanfare. Sure, sure. No one knew that this was important to him, but it was. I mean, he was really a great guy. People don't know that part of him. Yeah. They know him from either HBO or Showtime, mm -hmm. or they saw him in a club, but they don't know the real guy. He was very generous and very soft, yeah. you know, had a really good heart. And, um, and uh, he would definitely tell you within three seconds of meeting you that he was a comedian. <laughs> so you didn't have to wonder. Yeah, he was. I remember uh, one of the last times we talked, we were in the green room. And uh, again, we don't, this is a, you, your whole family has stories beyond belief. Uh, your parents meeting and then being separated and the Holocaust survivors and everything. And uh, 
not to gloss over that. It's a but barrel that's, of uh, laughs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the Holocaust. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we were just talking about it on the way here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it never goes away. <laughs> um, I, I asked him, I'm like, what, what is something that, um, what is something that a lot of people don't know about the Holocaust growing up at Gentile? My dad's a preacher. I, I knew a lot about, um, the old Testament and, and Judaism and all that. And he's like, dad, dad, tell me something that most people don't know. And he said, um, most people don't know the amount of Christians who were killed for protecting the Jews and hiding them. And I thought, Oh man, that's, that's, yeah, they do not get a lot of airplay. You know, my dad would appreciate hearing that him being yeah. a preacher and all. He's like, I'd love to meet your dad. Where does he live? I'm like, he lives in New Jersey. He's like, I'm going to be on the East coast in like October. Let's get, I want to get them together. So unfortunately we were not able to, uh, get those guys together before the accident, but, uh, wow. we had set up coffee like a couple times. So just yeah. so we could meet and just talk to my dad about yeah. everything. Well, it's true. You know, my dad does a lot of speeches mm-hmm. at schools about the Holocaust and he always makes sure to tell people, you always hear this number. You always hear 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. But what you don't hear is that 5 million non-Jews mm-hmm. died in the Holocaust. They were priests political prisoners, mm-hmm. gypsies, gypsies, gays, you know, gays yeah, yeah. whatever, anybody really. So, and, and of course what they call righteous Christians, the mm-hmm. ones that would risk their life to help a Jewish person. Those mm-hmm. people that were apprehended, they were killed too. Yeah. So yeah, you never do hear that other number. I'm surprised my brother told you that because he never paid attention to those details. Oh, really? <laughs> my parents would talk about it when they would say, you know, we survived. He was already out of the room. Oh, really? He was on his way to go do something else. He told me, and again, we don't have to go into this, but he told me the whole story about your parents and their meeting and yeah. all that and meeting again. There's a I book guess. about it. Oh, there, you... Yeah. My, mo- my mom wrote did, a book. Did you about write it? Okay, I yeah. thought you had something to do with it. No, I wrote the movie version. Oh, okay. But no, she yeah, she wrote a book. Oh, awesome. In the kitchen, it was amazing because her English was not that great. Uh huh. But she she just cranked out this book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's uh let's go back to a little list. bit and go back to your All list. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have a little. Let me cross off Phoenix Country sure, Bar. Sure. Uh, okay, here's a here's a very quick thing about uh, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work at that Crackers? Uh, Broad Ripple, out in Broad Ripple. Mm, no. That kind of suburban thing. No. The only one I, I only know. I only know. No, wait. That's not. That's Fort Wayne. What's it called in Broad Ripple? I don't know. Okay. Some, some comedy club. Some stupid and, sir laughs a lot or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Chuckle Hut. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the old. You know, there was a club in in Tempe in Arizona called Chuckles. Yeah. Where did you ever hear of Chuckles? No, I never even heard of Tempe. Tempe's where Arizona State is that how you University say it? Tempe? is. Tempe. Everybody says Tempe. Yeah. I didn't know it was Tempe. Well, I'm from New York. You put a weird accent on it. Yeah. Tempe? No, you said Tempe. Tempe. I know. That's I went. Yes, I went to school there. It's Tempe. All right. I, I only know it as Tempe. Yeah. With no okay. accent on the P. That can't be right. Are you sure? No. All but right. it can't be. I've said Tempe since I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, a college kid. I know. Every once in a while, something fall, falls weird on my ear. I had a friend in high school who liked Iron Maiden, but mm-hmm. he called it Iron Maiden. Well, that's what my sister does. My sister says stuff like chocolate milk. Like, she oh yeah, yeah, hit it really hard. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, yeah. But but my so. daughter, she was actually making fun of me a couple of weeks ago because I said, uh, we I don't remember where we were, but it was very sticky and mm-hmm. hot. And I said, God, it's humid. And she said, What? What did you say? And I said, It's humid, 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 without an H. Yeah, but isn't that how you say it? No, it's humid. Okay, even in New Jersey, it's there- humid. Yeah, Think in New Jersey, it. it's humid. It in New age. York, it's humid. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Haven't you ever heard like people say huge? It's huge. 
Oh, yeah, but the freaking Goombas I went to school with were like, hey, it's fucking huge. Yeah, huge. but I never heard them say it's fucking humid. <laughs> they usually say it's can fucking you, hot. <laughs> can you call them? I, let's get them on the phone right it? now. No, Why but not? it's she. my daughter will make fun of me when I say certain things, but mm-hmm. that's, hey, I grew up like that. Right, I'm just saying it's felt, it was. Tempe, Tempe felt weird on my ear. Tempe. So it's just me. You probably there, was, there was a club there called Chuckles in Where? the late, late 70s in Tempe. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> you had a choice. If you were a comic and you were working there, you mm-hmm. could either be paid in cash or in cocaine. Oh, really? That was the so deal. this is the 80s, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And... Um, they eventually got raided by some federal law enforcement agency, I don't know who, and they mm-hmm. got shut down. But that place, here's, here's a little Robert Schimmel clip from mm-hmm. that era. Uh, so I was in college, he was performing there, and uh, I went to go see him, of course. And Louis Nye was the headliner. Okay. Louis Nye was a guy from the original Steve Allen okay. Tonight Show. He was. Um, Do we want guy, to explain to your daughter who Steve Allen is? Steve Allen was a guy that invented everything in comedy, <laughs> sure. according to Steve Allen. Sure, but uh, but he did write that song. This could be the start of something big. You know oh, really? Song? I didn't know he that. Wrote that. Okay, yeah, it's amazing. And didn't he pretty much originate "Man on the Street"? Everything. Yeah, according to him. But I mean, actually, originate yeah. "Man on the Street." Yeah, I think he did. He was the and original, think, he was and the... Don Knotts and some of the other guys were the one, and and Louis Nye were the guys that would do oh, the okay. man on the street, like the cutaway. Okay, here and and Louis Nye would be the guy that would say hi ho, Steve Arino, and oh, okay. whatever. That's right. Louis Nye. So anyway, Louis Nye was the headliner at Chuckles. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, <laughs> and he came out on stage and he was wearing gray, like you know, slacks, mm-hmm. blue blazer white shirt open with uh, an ascot Mm -hmm. and he came out on stage and he was like hi ho steve arino and everybody started clapping and i'm standing in the back of the club with my brother and my brother said listen if i'm that age and i'm still working in a club like this kill me (laughs) so a few years ago my brother was working in some club Mm -hmm. somewhere and he came out and right after he was done, I walked up to him and I said, okay, I just have a question. Can I kill you now? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, remember the Louis Nye thing? And he was like, oh, Jesus. Right. He remembered. So I had permission to do sure, it. Sure, sure. I didn't, <laughs> of course. But at least he wasn't holding on to hi-ho Steve Arino. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was really scary. The ascot and everything. Oh, yeah. He also worked with, uh, at Chuckles, he worked with... Uh, um, jo- Jackie Vernon. I know that name. Yeah, I, oh, I man, can't tell you who funny. it is, though. Oh, my Jackie God. Vernon. Jackie Vernon was so funny. He was this guy that never smiled. He uh-huh. was on Ed Sullivan a lot. Okay. You know who that is? I do. Does your daughter? Okay, probably My not. dad was on Ed Sullivan. Was he really? Yeah. My dad was um, uh, played in the Little League World Series in 1955, and they won. Wow. And he, Ed Sullivan had the team on because they, they were in Philly, outside of Philly, yeah. so he had them on. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jackie Vernon was a comic that was on all the time. And his whole thing was the slideshow, the fake slideshow. And he had a clicker. Oh, really? And he would, and, and he would like refer to the screen behind him, but there wasn't one. He uh-huh. would just describe what was up there. Oh, okay. And he was a real like hangdog, depressed guy. Mm-hmm. He would like, he had jokes like, uh, I was a social director on a tugboat, <laughs> you know, and he said my uncle had a good luck charm factory, but it burned down. Right, right. Know, stuff like that. It was yeah, all yeah. very negative, whatever. Yeah. So he worked with my brother in, in Tempe also. <laughs> But so did Arsenio Hall. Arsenio mm-hmm. was new uh, at the same time. Did I say that wrong too? New? No, new is fine. New or is it new? New or new? 
I'll go either way on that one. Daughter? New. New? Okay. okay. So, um, very good looking daughter, by the way. Thank you. Very, very she good. She looks looking. like, uh, my wife. I was going to say. So back to Indiana. Right. Indianapolis, Broad Ripple. I go with my brother to, to this place and um, we arrive and it's this little suburban area and the, uh, we arrive at night. So in the morning, we open the shades in the, in the hotel room. And there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So I said, what are we going to do now? And he said, there's only one thing to do here. You go to the mall. That's what comedians do. We go to the mall. Maybe go to a movie, but mm-hmm. usually just window shop or buy something, take it back the next day. Right, yeah. So I said, okay, great. So we went to the mall and we're walking around. And this again, this had to be in the mid to late 80s. And um, it was like going back in, in a time machine. Mm-hmm. We're walking around in this mall and my brother's going, look at these people. Look at what these people are wearing. Look at their clo- look at the women. They're wearing like loafers and ankle socks mm-hmm. and like capri pants and you know they. My brother, I remember this. He said they think Kennedy is still president. Right, here. right. You know that's how it was like a time warp. Mm-hmm. So, but he was so excited because he took me to Chick Fil A. <laughs> they had a Chick Fil A in the mall, sure. and it was like there was a line around the block to mm-hmm. get into this place. It wasn't even in the food court. It was right in the middle of the mall. And I said, what's this? And he said, Chick-fil-A, chicken sandwiches. It's great. You're going to love it. It's the best thing. It's, it's the greatest. Mm-hmm. So I had my first Chick-fil-A sandwich. It sucked. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not a fan? No. Huh. I never no. had them. I never had them. I don't get it. Okay. I don't really don't understand what the big deal is. But he was so like crestfallen that I that I flew all the way there and didn't like the Chick-fil-A <laughs> sandwich. But, and that was supposed to be the highlight of the week. Right. Because the club wasn't. Sure, sure. And then we went downtown and watched the, um, right across from the stadium, mm-hmm. uh, there was another club and we went in there and watched Evander Holyfield knock out Buster Douglas. Oh yeah? Yeah. For, for the heavyweight title. And then in the morning when we were leaving, Joe Namath was checking into the hotel. I heard his voice in the lobby and I knew it you was You knew him. exactly from his voice? Yes, I heard his voice, and I was like, that has to be Joe Namath, and I turned around, and it was. Broadway Joe himself? Yep. It's the only real football reference I know. <laughs> uh, God, I got him to sign the postcard that I was going to mail to my wife. Uh-huh. I still have it as a bookmark. Oh, cool. But yeah, I mean, I heard the voice, and you know, you, you can't grow up in New York in the 60s and not know Joe Namath's sure, voice. Sure, sure. What, uh, did he have any kind of like really shitty one-nighters in the beginning? That, Joe Namath? That, yeah, Joe Namath did. I think he did. Probably like... <laughs> Playing the Raiders or something. Probably got knocked uh, around a lot. Really bad one-nighters. Yeah, like starting out like we all had to do those really yeah, crappy one-nighters I, I, where it's I, in the back of a bar. I remember, yes, he did those. I remember one night when he said uh, that he was going to drive to Hesperia. Where's Hesperia? Hesperia is like on the way to Las Vegas. It's like past Victorville. H-Y-S. H-E-S. Oh, Hesperia. Okay. Yeah, Hesperia. And uh, I think that's where it is. And he was going to drive there for $15. <laughs> and I said, Bob, if, if you're going to drive to Hesperia, you may as well drive all the way to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Then I will go with you. Otherwise, I'm not going. And I said, why would you drive all the way there for $15? He said, because I need time on stage. Mm-hmm. And I never understood that. I mean, at least at the time. Yeah. It's like, really? It's that hard? But it was that hard. Yeah, yeah. To, to find a place that would let you go up. I know people who'll still drive to Hesperia for $15. Really? Yeah, probably. Wow. If you put them up. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really it, uh, 
it's, what a tough business. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I told him every time I went with him on the road, I could not do this. Yeah. I could not be away from my family every week. I couldn't tra- fly here, fly there, mm-hmm. drive here, have to rely on the opening act to take you to the mall. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I and, and get all these crazy rules. I mean, one of the things I have on my list, do you still have mm-hmm. time for this? Oh, please do, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. We went up to San Jose. And we we uh, we went up there for the weekend. I was still in law school, so it mm-hmm. had to be probably 85, 86. Um, we flew up, and we got we went to the club first. And this was one of the clubs where they had a condo for the comics to stay mm-hmm. in, not a, not a hotel room. And they had a long list of forbidden behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do this at the condo. You know, you can't no drugs, no mm-hmm. drinking, mm-hmm. no partying. Right, no fraternizing with the staff. You you weren't allowed to talk to the waitresses. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to like go out with them for a drink after. Wow, this is that's early for that. Yeah, that didn't really happen. It's now it's like that, but usually yeah. it, it was this long list. Huh. And when when we got there, the manager was telling was reviewing it with my brother mm-hmm. and just saying you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And he was saying uh huh uh huh okay all right yep got it. That night, cocktail waitresses were in the jacuzzi with him <laughs> at the condo. <laughs> By the way, I remember who, who was opening for him, Greg Otto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, sure. was, he was there. Okay. Um, I think Ron Reed was, no, that was another time. You know Ron Reed? Oh, yeah, I want to hear something about Ron Reed. Ron Reed was up there. Ron Reed's mother was the assistant principal's secretary at my junior high in New York. Oh, geez. Yeah, okay. so his real last name isn't Reed. It's Brown. Oh, okay. But there was another comic named Ron Brown. Do you remember him? Mm-mm, that I don't. And so he had to use a different name. But when he said, when he said, where are you from? And I told him, and he said, oh, my mother used to work at a, at a school there. And I said, what was her name? And he told me. And I was like, she was one oh, of my that's, best friends. <laughs> that's crazy. And Chuck Martin, too, uh-huh. was there. Okay, I know Chuck. At, at that time. I know of Chuck Martin, I should say. <clears throat> so, but at San Jose, my brother broke every rule. Mm-hmm. And when he came in, I think we arrived on a Wednesday. And when he came to work on Thursday, I think it was Thursday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. One show Thursday, I think two Friday, three Saturday, two Sundays. That sound right? Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, or it sounds what it used to be. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we get to the club, and um, the manager approached my brother and said, "Okay, again, listen, it's going to be a little different tonight. Mm-hmm. The Pack Bell." headquarters was right up the road in San Jose, huge like skyscraper. And uh, they said everybody from Pac Bell and and all the corporate, you know, from Bell Telephone, Mm -hmm. they're all here this weekend. So they're coming to, they basically bought out the club tonight. So they're coming and um, no blue material. (laughs) So again, so my brother goes, why did you bring me up here? Yeah, yeah. You know that that's what I do. Why would you hire me? No, no, no. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's all good, yeah. right? But tonight, you cannot do blue material. And my brother said, get my agent on the phone because mm-hmm. this is bullshit. I mean, you can't pull this on me at the last minute like this. It was like dinner time. Yeah. So how's he going to come up with an hour of clean material in you know two hours? Sure. So um, his agent's on the phone fighting with the manager. It doesn't get resolved. The guy tells my brother, if you violate this policy, you're mm-hmm. out. You may as well go home. You're not getting paid, blah, blah, blah. You'll never work here again, right? My brother goes, okay, fine, whatever. So 
we go to dinner at a Vietnamese place across the street that I'm almost positive. I could be wrong, but I think the restaurant was called Fuck Yoon. Really? Yeah, but it was like P-H-U-C, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but, um, and my brother, you know, he was in the Air Force during the Vietnam War, but he didn't go to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. He got kicked out before that. And I think he told one of the waitresses, you know, I almost went to Vietnam. And she was like, oh, really? Yeah, in a B-52. <laughs> you know, so anyway, she didn't think it was funny. Right. I did. I thought it was hysterical. But... Um, Anyway, so we went to dinner, came back to the club. The opener goes on, the middle, I think it was Chuck Martin, mm -hmm. Ron Reed, then my brother. And on the way up to the stage, he bumps into me and he says, watch this. And I'm standing at the stairwell leading down to the street level. Because mm -hmm. you have to come up this tall, you know, this, this very steep, staircase to get into the club so i'm standing there and i'm holding on to the rail and i'm watching from there he goes up on stage and that was the first time he ever did the opening line which was so i'm fucking the pope in right. the ass <laughs> and there was a stampede oh really the exit really people were pushing each other out of the way i almost got knocked down the stairs because so many people <laughs> came around the banister so fast that i had to hold on i almost got right, pushed right. down the stairs and he but he didn't stop he kept going yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just getting worse and worse <laughs> and he cleared the place out and then walked off uh, I thought it was hilarious. Sure. Everybody in the back was laughing. I mean, yeah, yeah. The other comics and the wait staff and whatever. The manager threw him out of the club. And then the manager came and apologized to him. Oh, really? Because my brother was represented at that time by, the, by an agency in L.A. that represented all of the better comedians. Mm -hmm. Including like the A-list top yeah. TV star comedians. And I think his agent told the guy, if you penalize him for pulling this on him mm -hmm. then you'll never get any of our people up there again so the oh, guy came and apologized oh nice yeah i'm sorry <laughs> that's awesome yeah. uh you have one more circle on there and then let's talk about your book okay let's see blah 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 what does this say mm -hmm. what are you studying in college global studies, global studies. And then probably business. in business so you can take over the world okay global studies Global, what is that? That sounds like a BS. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's like international mm. relations. Okay. Yeah, international relations is Got a pretty boyfriend. close. No? Did you notice how she looked away from me? I was going to say, do you, do you want to talk later? Okay. You can tell me all about him later. <laughs> <laughs> she has a lot of things to talk to you about I later. Know, I know. A, you should be making a list. I, I am in my head. And okay. then I'm going to be making excuses for when my wife comes home and sees me talking to a 20 year old <laughs> in the back. <laughs> so, um, okay. One, one other thing I remember about, about my brother and his, I mean, it's really, it's endless. Oh, I know. And know? I will have you back on when the book comes out too. But okay, yeah. great. He, um, he asked me to go with him to a club in Long Beach one night. Mm -hmm. And was it called the Laugh Stop? Maybe does that sound familiar? That sounds like before my time. There hasn't yeah. been anything in Long Beach since the new Laugh Factory. Yeah, there was something down there in Long Beach, and I drove down with him. It took forever to get there. Mm -hmm. I think like on a Friday night, it was just bumper to bumper traffic. And so we get there, and I think it was the opening act. Almost positive, I don't remember who it was, but he had a brand new. Um, not motorcycle, but kind of like a Vespa scooter, mm -hmm. brand new, like he just brought it from the dealership and it was 
just gleaming, mm -hmm. no plates on it, sure. nothing, parked out in front. So, and they, uh, he was bragging about it. He was telling everybody, see the Vespa outside, see the scooter, that's my scooter, brand new, <laughs> whatever, told him how much it cost, the whole thing. So in between shows, my brother says to the guy, can I drive it? And he said, do you know how to ride a motorcycle? And he said, A, that's not a motorcycle. <laughs> B, yes, I do know how to ride a motorcycle. And uh, can I take it for a ride? Mm -hmm. And the guy goes, "You can. I won't let anybody else ride it. You can ride it, but you got to be really careful. Like, don't go out of the parking lot. Just stay in the parking mm -hmm. lot. Stay away from the car. Stay away from people. Stay away from the curb. My brother's like, dude, just give me the key, right? <laughs> so we get on the scooter. Probably 15 seconds went by, totaled. <laughs> My brother popped the clutch. Right. I mean, he's revving it. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Puts it in gear, pops the clutch. The front wheel comes up. We're flying through this parking Both lot. of you are on it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he hit everything you could possibly hit. He hit a car. He hit the like a mailbox. Mm -hmm. He hit a light post. And the guy standing there watching it's almost like unfolding in slow motion right, right. he destroyed this thing <laughs> it was great it that's was really awesome. great because we walked away from it oh it sure like, eh, you know that's what the guy gets for buying a scooter no but it, it, i thought you were going to say that's what he gets for trusting my brother to drive it well that's true too. what are you doing yeah yeah that's true too so tell us about the book you're working on um it was uh leave him laughing it was crowdfunded yes uh, amazing, mm -hmm. amazing that we actually made that. Um, I wanted to do a documentary and sure. I thought for sure that some major entertainment companies would back me in it because they backed him and other stuff mm -hmm. that he did. I don't want to name names like HBO, Showtime, whatever. No, no, it's okay. So, um, but it didn't happen. The documentary mm -hmm. would have cost a lot of money to do and because I didn't want to do a green screen just get a bunch of comics to sit down and tell a story about him right and then show a couple of clips and it's over i didn't want yeah, to yeah. do that so uh but i wanted to like shoot some stuff in la and new york and pennsylvania where he grew up mm -hmm. and then in like in a couple of the air force bases like the one in boston that he was court-martialed in mm -hmm. i wanted to do that and just a bunch of and some clubs along the way and uh, couldn't get that money together, you know, but because I didn't want to do a home movie. I wanted sure. to do a, an actual film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I decided to do this interactive ebook because my friend Paul, who's into all this stuff, mm -hmm. told me, you know, now you can create a book that people can read, but at the end of a chapter, if there's a little icon there, they can click that, and then on their iPad, a window will open, and they can watch a, mm -hmm. a film clip or listen to an audio file or look at a photo album, and mm -hmm. these things will just open and close. So I said, that is cool. Yeah, that we'll is do cool. that. So that's what I'm doing now. I, I have received a lot of stuff from other people, stories, and I'm waiting on some video from some comics that have promised to shoot their own mm -hmm. thing. None of them have come through. Really, really yeah. shocker? Are you surprised? Uh, no. Yeah, right. No. Um, I still want to shoot uh, a little interview with Bud Friedman, mm -hmm. one with Jamie Masada, mm -hmm. one with my brother's uh, manager mm -hmm. who told me... What was his name? Lee Kernis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Brillstein. Yeah, Lee's still around. Yeah, great yeah, yeah. guy. But I was Lee... at Brillstein for a while. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Fuck him. With Lee? No. Oh, okay. Somebody else. But um, I, I asked Lee, when can I do the interview with you on camera? And he said, um, I'll let you know when I'm ready, when I look good enough. So I was like, really? Really? Because there's a deadline. On yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. I want to yeah. 
Why does this have to be synced up to your health, you know, regimen? Yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah. so those are the things that need to be done. I still mm -hmm. want to get my dad on camera because mm -hmm. my dad tells great stories about my brother. My yeah, sister yeah. has, see, my sister's relationship with him was totally different than mine. So she has her stories. Mm -hmm. I have mine. Sure. My dad has his. The three of us have some where we all have basically the same exact perception of things. It'll be very funny when yeah, it's yeah. put together. I'm excited about that. What, uh, what are we looking at date-wise after Lee Kernis loses 25 pounds? What's this? Um, well, I don't want to alienate him completely. By he doesn't listen. How do you know? <laughs> oh, maybe he does. Hey, Lee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, were, you were saying that we met, did we meet in conjunction with the poker tournament? Uh, we did. We did. Yeah. Uh, we had talked a, a few times because... Um, after your brother died, I reached out to you. I sent you a picture of yeah, us, yeah. and um, which I never knew what like if this is going to come out. We I know, like I, I labored over it a few times. Like should I send Jeff? I don't know Jeff. I you know I love Bob. He's great. Should I send it? So I think I I just had a couple scotches one night. And said fuck it, I'm sending it. To I'm him. very easy to know. Yeah, and, and it's, then, uh, I didn't take it the wrong way. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there one guy. <clears throat> Let's see if you can guess who this is. Uh -oh. Okay, I'm not Lee Kernis. I'm not. I'm not going to mention his name. He's <laughs> okay. a comic. You may guess it right away, and if you don't, maybe I will tell you who okay. it is. Okay. Um, he worked with my brother. My brother actually got him a lot of work. Okay. Got him in the door at a lot of places where they would not have hired him. Okay. And then they had a falling out. And my brother's version of why they had a falling out is the same story that I've heard him tell about some other people, mm -hmm. which is that my brother would request, hey, you want to open for me at this place? I'll get them to fly you in, blah, 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 whatever. And he, and he had a relationship with these people for a while. And then some of these people started calling clubs on their own and saying, oh, I see here on your schedule that you have Robert Schimmel coming in first week of October. He wants me to open for him. And if you don't hire me, he's not coming. They would do stuff like that really? to get their own work. Sure, and my sure. brother didn't know that they, yeah, were, yeah. that they were using his name as leverage to do that. Right. It only came to my brother's attention when he showed up at a club once, and the and the owner said, "Look, if you want to work with so and so, that's fine, mm -hmm. but don't have them call me and threaten me that you're not going to show up." And and he said, "Who are you talking about?" Oh wow. And that's when he started receiving these names from uh -huh. a couple of people that really you know were a little bit unethical yeah. the, the way they were handling their business. But anyway, so after one of these guys contacted me right after my brother died, mm -hmm. he, he sent me uh, a note on Facebook and he said, I'd really like to talk to you. Can, and I knew that he worked with my brother and mm -hmm. I knew they had a falling out. I'd really like to talk to you. Here's my number. Please call me. So I called the guy and he said, listen, I just wanted to let you know that when I heard about your brother dying, the first thing I thought was, good, he got what he deserved. And I was like, is this real? Right. Is this really happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You reached out to me and had me call you so you could tell me that. And he said, yeah, because your brother's a scumbag. He's a racist. And I was like, you got to stop right there because right. my brother didn't, first of all, didn't have the energy to be a racist. That takes effort yeah you know yeah, yeah yeah i said you're talking about the wrong guy here mm -hmm. you might be mad at him for something whatever it is but you're making all of these crazy allegations that just don't match up with who he was you know and mm -hmm. i know i know he helped you and i know you had a falling out yeah but this goes so far beyond any of that sure for for you to want to tell me 
you know, to basically, um, you know, insult him right after his funeral. That's right. pretty low. I yeah. said, so I'm going to hang up now and mm-hmm. you're just going to have to deal with this. You're just going to have to live with your, with yourself for being this kind of person. So I heard, um, within the last few days, I guess he got arrested for punching somebody in a club. Oh, really? Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, who, okay. That guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh, appa- apparently there's all kinds of legends out there of him doing some shady stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will say that uh, um, Schimmel requested me a couple times, but I would never call. <laughs> I would never call. And I do that, and that happens a lot. You know, I, yeah. I work with a lot of comics that I will feature for, and I'll just right. say, hey, so-and-so wants me to come with them. Right. Cool. But I talk to them first. I yeah. don't, you yeah. know. No, that was done to him by a few That's, people. Yeah. Like, people don't understand, like, how did they, that shit gets around, man. Yeah. And, but you know what? My brother was such a softy. Yeah. He had a very hard time confronting people. So even if he knew that you were doing something, it would break his heart, but he wouldn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you knew him, so yeah, yeah. you know that he was a really gentle guy. Yeah. So he wouldn't, he just wouldn't confront you about it, but it would hurt a yeah. lot. And then he would back away from it and, and just say, I don't want to work with that person. He mm-hmm. would not call them on it. Right. I'm totally different than that. I would have been all over it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, in a, in a bad way. Sure. You know, which isn't by the way, not good either. Real. No, no. So right. somewhere, somewhere in between is probably good. We're not here to judge you. We'll judge the other douchebag okay. who punched the guy out and called you. We'll judge that hack. I read some of his act. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Robert Schimmel is a great guy. I had a, just a lot of, you know, I say a lot of, ha- but if I really think about it, it was a handful of times. Um, great times working with him. And uh, he gave my mother-in-law a DVD for free, signed it for him. That's she was nice. a big fan of comedy. She's no longer with us. I have my $5 a day signed Oh wow! from him Just Sell it on eBay. there. I'm keeping it, man. It's up yeah. there. Oh, it has not made it into the. Uh, I was I was the other room yet. Walking down the street uh, in my neighborhood, near my neighborhood, uh, when his book came out, mm-hmm. and he li- he bought a house about a mile away from where I lived, and uh, I was walking down the street, and I saw this car coming, actually going the other way, made a really dangerous fast U-turn, and mm-hmm. then whipped around and pulled up to the curb, and it was my brother. Oh yeah. And he jumped out of the car, and he had a copy of the book, and he said, "Look." He said, my book just came out. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And then he was like, yeah, see you later. He got in the car and drove away. Didn't give me the book. <laughs> and I didn't get one for a long time after that. Right. And you know what? I've never read it. Oh, really? No. I read it. Yeah. I have it, but I've never read it. Well, what's lame? Not reading the book is what I think. Am I right, daughter? Is it good? I mean, what's in it? I don't know. Am I, I in there? I thumbed it. I didn't really read it. I know that I'm in, <laughs> I know that I'm in the acknowledgments because he actually said he wanted to make up to me. Uh-huh for something from the past because we worked as writers together on in living color Mm -hmm. and he was going through a very difficult time in his life his son was really sick Mm -hmm. and he wasn't doing any work he was either laying on the couch in our office moaning or he was in the stairwell crying or Mm -hmm. he was in phoenix with his wife and his kid so he uh put something in the book i think in the acknowledgments about how i really did all the work there because hmm. people gave me so much shit for that there were people that would come into my office at work and say hey how do i get this deal where i don't come to work and i get paid right yeah yeah you know and i would just go wow do you really want my brother's life do you really want a kid that's dying yeah yeah because that could be arranged yeah. i have people from new jersey <laughs> <laughs> um well it's a shame you don't know if it's in there you should have read it 
Um, <laughs> well, Jeff Schimmel, uh, thank you so much. What can we see? Uh, any of your uh, stuff coming up anywhere? We're looking forward oh, to your book nice. coming out. We'll, yeah. we'll uh, have well, you back the, when that comes out. Yeah, right now I'm really doing uh, mostly, I'm actually doing a rewrite. Somebody hired me to do a rewrite of a low-budget horror film, mm-hmm. which is something I've never done, but there's a lot of comedy. There is allegedly comedy in it. <laughs> it's being shot at the end of October in Florida, so mm-hmm. I'm hurrying to finish that. Um, and uh, I, I never oh, yeah, would have done Yeah, you better hurry. Holy crap. I know. It's almost <laughs> October. And... Um, other than that, I'm just trying to sell reality shows because okay. there's like no scripted jobs out there. Yeah, yeah. Do you know of any? Because um, I don't. I don't know. I voluntarily took six months off to be a stay-at-home dad. Oh, okay. So that's my excuse for not having I work. took five years off doing that. Oh, yeah? But you know what? Um, I had plenty of time to read my brother's book. No, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't exist then. All right, Jeff Schimmel, thank you so much for uh, coming. Thank you so much for Thanks, bringing your Mary. daughter. Appreciate it. Um, and that's it. Uh, I, of course, am Murray Valeriano. The LA Podcast Festival is coming up October 4th, uh, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I'm on October 4th in Santa Monica. Uh, 2 p.m. Guests scheduled are Brody Stevens, Ryan Sickler, and Matt uh, Fulcheron, the full charge himself. So there'll be some drop-in guests, too. So uh, get your tickets now. Come out and see that. And uh, T-shirts are in the store at murrayvaleriano.com. Um, that is it. Uh, dates up at my website. Thank you guys so much for listening. And Jeff Schimmel, thanks for coming again. Thanks, I appreciate Murray. it, buddy. Thanks. All right, thanks. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. You want to know about life on the road? It's these tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and these fights, scheduled flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette. <laughs> Drunks in the front making out for your set. And middle acts doing blow more missing merch. And drive the rental car past another mega church. And juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon.